Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 116 of Drink the Movies. I am Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, this week we celebrated love in the best way possible. That is uh, going out onto a cruise liner, uh, setting sail from England to the United States with Kate and Leo. That's right. I mean, what better way to tell someone you love them? That is right. Uh, it is the 25th anniversary of Titanic, that Oscar uh, winning, uh, lots of Oscar wins uh, film. Uh, very excited about it. Uh, it's a love story uh, that you and I both like. It's it's a little divisive for some reason. I don't really understand it, but we're going <laughs> to we're gonna be talking about all of that. We're going to be talking about a really good uh, cocktail uh, because we found one that they served up on the uh, the Titanic that uh, White Star Line uh, yeah. ship itself, the Punch Romaine. That's right. I mean, and and so one of the things about Titanic that is really cool is that there's a, there's so much historical um, fodder that you can chew up. You know, they have museum um, exhibits that you can go to and you can pretend mm -hmm. to be, you know, what was it like if you, you know, they, you know, if you were a person that was on Titanic, what was it like in first versus third class? You know, they have done so much historical work around who was on it and what it was like. And you can actually get like white star label tablecloths if you really wanted to have tablecloths that looked like they were on the Titanic or the dishes. or. And so it was really cool that we were going to be able to recreate a cocktail that they actually served. Yeah. But that was really cool. Um, and, you know, again, a, a love story for history of all time. <laughs> That's that's right. Yeah, I think it's our annual tradition now on Drink the Movies to talk about a Leonardo DiCaprio uh, love story. Last year we did uh, Romeo and Juliet way back in episode uh, 64, uh, telling his tale there. And today, yeah, we're going to be talking about the love story of Jack and Rose. So, uh, Michaela, you mentioned that uh, cocktail. It's a delicious one. So why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to whip up this week's cocktail with a punch romaine. All right. So this week's cocktail, it comes from um, an actual dinner menu that they recovered from yes. the Titanic from the uh, White Star Line uh, dinner uh, menu. Like you mentioned at the top, Michaela, it's kind of it's kind of neat from uh, a standpoint that, you know, they've been down and they've collected a bunch of this stuff. A lot of it was, you know, kind of historical or would have been uh, cataloged probably anyways, I guess, by the White Star Line, you know, in preparation for whatever the following uh, voyages were were meant to be, but this was uh, a drink, a cocktail that they, they had at one of the actual uh, dinner seatings there on the Titanic, and it, uh, it has the name of the Punch Romaine, and you can find uh, the recipe for this cocktail in a bunch of places uh, online, but this was the one that we made here, and it's really simple uh, to put together. So into your shaker tin, you're going to put one ounce of just a white or silver rum, one ounce of some freshly squeezed orange juice, a half ounce of simple syrup, a uh, half ounce of lemon juice, and an egg white. Go ahead and give that a shake without any ice. Uh, it's called a dry shake. Uh, just give that a shake. It gets the egg white nice and foamy. And then you can put your uh, ice in there, shake it, chill it down. And then you're going to strain that into like a coupe or um, like a big kind of like goblet uh, sort of thing filled with crushed ice. Uh, you're just going to strain that in there. It's going to be nice and frothy. Uh, but then, then the kicker and why this is perfect for fancy, uh, you know, dinners on your $80,000 cruise or fancy for your Valentine's Day that maybe you celebrated this week. Uh, you're going to be topping that off with some champagne only the best here drink the movies that's right only the best and i'm not talking my wycliffe six dollar basic knockoff that i still love more than anything 
we uh we actually did some cremon which uh was very nice i i recommend uh not doing anything super sweet so mm-hmm. um prosecco tends to be a sweeter uh kind of bubbly if you don't like champagne or you don't want to spend that kind of money um you could do a prosecco i would choose a drier one because i really think that you're going to need that to to help balance out some of the uh some of the rum and acidity and we talk a lot about the ingredients that we use here at drink the movies I truly recommend when we made this, we used fresh oranges, we used fresh lemons. Um, we, I really recommend doing that because this is a pretty simple cocktail um, and mm. it will, def- we will definitely be able to taste the difference if you use really good quality ingredients um, and fresh ingredients for it. So that's, that's the Michaela recommendation for how to enjoy this. And then the, the second recommendation is just to drink a lot of it um, because it's it's real good. And you're almost you almost don't care that, that the ship is like shaking and, you know, uh, the band's still playing. So it's still good to drink. Right. The band is still playing and you are still drinking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You mentioned, you know, you want to use kind of, uh, you know, some really good quality uh, ingredients when you're doing something like this or really kind of any champagne uh, cocktail, because really the purpose of a champagne cocktail is to highlight uh, the notes that uh, kind of yeasty uh, dryness that you get with a really good um, French champagne. So, yeah, you definitely want to use some some fresh oranges some fresh lemons, uh, a nice quality rum. We used, used a Bacardi white rum, which is probably the rum they would have had on board uh, the Titanic, I'm guessing, uh, something along those lines. And then, yeah, if you don't want to splurge for the champagne, you can use a Cremant. We used one actually uh, from here um, in the Finger Lakes region of New York, but you can also get Cremants from uh, elsewhere around France. Uh, Cremant is just a fancy French word for champagne that's not made within the region of champagne. So uh, it's made by the same style. It has, you know, pretty much the same uh, kind of taste, but you can usually get a lot better uh, bang for your buck there, so to speak, on something like that. So I uh, definitely want to mix one of these up and and give it a try. It's a, a perfectly, it's very fancy. I felt very fancy when we were drinking this, Michaela. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably, the... not, probably not first class fancy on the Titanic, but maybe like second class, not third class like Jack, but no, maybe certainly you know, not. Right, yeah. Right we, in the middle, maybe. You're not having this in steerage. That is for sure. You might be having more fun in steerage, though. I feel like the party in steerage was way better than the party up with all the stiffs that were like, oh, I would like some more brandy with my, with my twice smoked cigar you know i thought i think the party was where it's at but this is a party um so maybe it's a second class thing i mean they never really t- talked about the class you know the the second class group of folks they never really discussed that in the class war that is about to ensue in the deep dive of titanic but i'm sure we'll get there that's that's right yeah anything anything uh below first class uh is uh good enough for us but yeah this cocktail is delicious definitely uh give it a try it would be a really uh, something very simple to put together for a fancy dinner party or something like that. So uh, whip one of these up, let us know, send pictures, all that good stuff. But for now, Michaela, we have to talk about a love story that, uh, you know, is set in 1912. Uh, it was released 25 years ago to the world. It won all of the awards and it captured everyone's uh, heart. So why don't we uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about this week's film, Titanic. Spoiler warning for Titanic. The ship sinks. This we know. But if you've not seen 1997's Titanic, written and directed by James Cameron and winner of like, I don't know, 87 awards, um, then you should probably press pause. Go make yourself a really wonderful punch romaine. 
spend three hours watching this film and then come back and we can chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you've not seen it yet, uh, like Michaela said, spoiler warning, the, the ship goes down, but uh, we have a lot of stuff to cover before we get there. So this came out in 1997. Uh, happy 25th anniversary. I think it came out in December. So it's actually just a just a hair past uh, its 25th anniversary. But uh, back in the theaters now, uh, go check it out if you're listening to this. Uh, uh, certainly a good time. So written and directed by James Cameron, and it stars uh, Kate Winslet as Rose and Leonardo DiCaprio as Jack. Um, and and Michaela, you mentioned that this won all of the awards, and it did win um, a lot of them. Not quite all. It was nominated for 14, uh, which was tied for the most ever nominations with uh, All About Eve from 1950. Um, and then it won 11 of those 14, which also tied a record. Ben-Hur also won 11 Academy Awards. So, uh, you know, pr some uh, pretty esteemed company there. So uh, it's easier to cover the ones that it lost. It lost Best Makeup, and it lost uh, Best Actress and Supporting Actress for Kate Winslet and Gloria Stewart. Now, I wonder, um, I didn't go back through the history of the Oscars, but I wonder how many times, um, you know, two actors have been uh, nominated for awards for playing the same role. That is a great question, actually. I, you know, I kind of want to Google it now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. So we have uh, Kate Winslet, who is playing uh, the young Rose, and then uh, Gloria Stewart, who is playing the old Rose, who we meet kind of at the beginning of the film and who partially kind of narrates the story as we go through so uh that's just kind of something interesting to think about and uh, while you're looking that up let's talk about the things that it won so it won for best score it won for best original song it won for best visual effects won for best sound effects editing won for best film editing sound costume design art and set decoration cinematography director and of course best picture of the year uh so yeah a lot of a lot of accolades and uh watching this movie back 25 years later uh it's it's beyond clear to me why i won all those things because uh i don't know this this thing is a feast for for the eyes a feast for the hearts um a, a feast yeah. for everything michaela oh yeah no it's it's the most i mean it's such a lush rich story um and we can talk about you know what we like and didn't like all day long but the costume is amazing the the writing is pretty great the the acting is impeccable and it's interesting because i did look this up there have only been two other instances in academy history where actors won oscars for playing the same character marlon brando and robert de niro both earned awards for playing don vito corleone okay, okay. Uh, albeit different different movies and heath ledger and joaquin phoenix both won for their take on the joker which is okay. really interesting. So they're the yeah. only ones uh, they did. They won versus this was just nominations. But interesting, fun fact, all the same. You do. It's interesting because we we're going to really get into it. But this film, it did not win any of the acting awards. And I and I remember a lot of people feeling that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was actually snubbed because he wasn't even nominated for this. Um, so, so there was that. It was kind of the beginning of a long, uh, arduous relationship that Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, had uh, with um, uh, the Academy and getting accolades for all the amazing work that he's done over the course of his career. Um, but yeah, it it it's, it won so many of the awards. It it's it's definitely a a clear reason why when you go see this and if you haven't uh seen it on the big screen uh if you're less than 25 years old cuz now this is uh 25 years old and that means that I'm really old um go watch it if you have the opportunity to do it because I really do think that the grandness of 
the film itself is filmed in such a way, it, it's really hard to understand um, the impact on a small screen. So the bigger the screen, probably the better. If you have a home theater or a big screen TV, watch it on that rather than your phone. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michaela, let's get into the story a little bit. We'll kind of we'll kind of worm our way around these Academy Awards as we talk through the story and some of the things that we're that we're seeing here. But to get the story kicked off, you know, everyone always made the joke that uh, Titanic, a movie, you know exactly how that's going to end. But no one really knew how this was going to begin because we don't begin on the Titanic. Uh, we begin on an expedition out at sea to go down and do some recovery on Titanic. Um, and this is actually something that James Cameron was doing. Uh, so this is all actual footage of the titanic that james cameron is i don't i don't know we mentioned it in our um you know kind of little deep dive that we're doing over on our patreon about avatar that james cameron is might just be a crazy person uh that just likes to do a lot of crazy things and and really just leans into it but yeah it's kind of all this uh footage of the actual shipwreck of the titanic and we're there with uh, a character by the name of brock lovett which is the coolest name uh in all of cinema for sure he's played by bill paxton uh and he is uh, uh one part uh i don't know shipwreck biologist marine biologist and one part uh treasure hunter because uh they're going down to look at the titanic but what they're really trying to do is get this safe and recover this gigantic freaking diamond uh called the heart of the ocean yeah i mean let's be honest this this guy is much more of that of uh, the former rather than the latter right he they, i love how they show where he's kind of filming himself and he's trying to talk in this really like soft voice and he's like we can all die on this ship together we're three thousand feet under you know the <laughs> surface of the and then he's like ah this is all bs where's the diamond right and so <laughs> he has a cool earring like, though he has a cool earring. I feel, I, and this is my story, James Cameron, if you listen to this and I'm totally wrong, don't hate me, but I feel like this was like an autobiographical moment for James Cameron, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, I really sure. do think that this had a, a huge impact on James Cameron and the 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 things that were important to him and, and ultimately helped him craft this movie and so many others uh that we that we see now right so way of water he, I, I bet this was hugely um you know uh, in, inspired by all of the things that he saw uh actually going down to this wreck and looking at all the things mm -hmm. and so um really cool that they were able to tie this into the actual story of titanic um I love the scene when they they find this safe. They've got this really cool, um, very reminiscent of the abyss, but they've got this really cool machine that can like do all these things and like it has arms and it's lifting stuff out and it gets the safe. And then they they're like, all right, we're gonna bring it up and we're gonna open it. We're gonna open it with everybody and their mother looking at us because, you know, I'm gonna smoke the cigar that I've been saving for eight <laughs> years or whatever, and it's gonna be so great. We're gonna see this, and unfortunately, um, they don't see anything. Uh, when they okay. open it up, um, all of the stuff that's in there, it's very muddy. It looks great because it looks yeah. so gross. <laughs> yes. Uh, kudos to the uh, props department here because that safe looked like it had been underwater for, uh, you know, a hundred years yeah. uh, by all accounts. And uh, yeah, they crack it open. Uh, no diamond in there. There's some some paperwork and stuff in there, but uh, that's not what Brock wants. Uh, even though, you know, uh, those papers from a historical standpoint, uh, you know, are are as important as this diamond for sure. But uh, that's not going to pay the bills and 
the same way. But, you know, what do you got to do? You got to go through these papers, see what they are. So they're in, they're cleaning them up, which actually is is kind of a neat uh, scene just to kind of see the process of them uh, trying to restore these pages. And one of the pages, uh, he looks over and sees there is a lady uh, laying there, a hand-drawn picture, but she seems to be wearing something that looks a lot like that big, gigantic diamond uh, that he was looking for. So when news breaks uh, that this picture has been found, uh, he gets a phone call uh, from a lovely old lady uh, by the name of Rose, who's played by Gloria Stewart. And what does she say? She says, Mr. Brock Lovett, that picture is me. That picture is me. And of course, then uh, I love how they descend on her. She's literally like 101 and they, you know, they're bringing her on the, the ship and it's this old Russian looking ship. They like, she brings 13 cases with her. Um, spoiler warning that uh, we see that earlier or later in the film. It's a, it's foreshadowing, but she brings all this stuff with her and she's like, I have to have my pictures with me. And you know, Bill Paxton's character, Brock, he's like, I don't know if this person is real or not. I, I don't, you know, there was no record of this Rose Dawson lady. Um, she's, or she, there's no record of her being on the Titanic. Um, but she knows things that he has spent the last years of his life trying to uncover uh, in order to get this diamond. And so he sits her down. Uh, her granddaughter is there to kind of look after her because she is real old. And um, he uh, asks her to tell the story. And I love the banter between them because he's, you know, in a hurry for her to kind of just spit it out. And she's like, no, dude, I, I've never told this story to anybody. I'm going to take my time. And if you don't like it, I can go, I can leave. Like, it's great. <laughs> um, and so she starts to kind of explain the story from the very beginning. And one thing I really love about it is when this, when the, when you first see the opening credits of the Titanic, you see this kind of, uh, sepia, uh, viewed look at, at the bond voyage you know of the titanic when it's first leaving port and you know you immediately uh, then move into this oceanic kind of exploration stuff but mm -hmm. this takes you right back to that moment and we see the entrance of a young rose dawson and it's one of the best entrances with uh cinematography this this scene right here made me want to find out how people filmed things uh mm -hmm. when they when when rose dawson gets or i i don't remember what her name was rose calvert or rose something else she gets out <laughs> rose dewitt bucotter oh that's right that's <laughs> a mouthful so rose gets out of the coach she's got this amazing purple hat uh she is absolutely stunning and glorious and she's got like thirty thousand suitcases and that that shot is just uh, ingrained into my spirit as a 17 year old ro you know hopeless romantic girl I thought it, it was just amazing absolutely I really like the way that um, kind of the story is structured um, because it could have just been the love story but I really like kind of this back and forth of um, you know old Rose telling the story um, quick note on Gloria Stewart her first acting credit is in 1932 uh, that was that's amazing um, you know that she was still uh, acting come uh, 1997 and and playing this and getting nominated for an Academy Award but but I really love it because she'll be kind of talking and they'll be looking at you know some like image of the Titanic um, on their little TV monitor from the submarine and then yeah it cuts to um, you know cuts to the uh, the historical um, aspect of the film there as as we're meeting uh young rose pay, played by kate winslet she is there with her uh mother um she is there with her uh 
fiance, I guess, uh, by the name of Cal, who's played by Billy Zane. Uh, and, you know, you get the feeling that Rose maybe isn't as, um, you know, infatuated with this lifestyle, maybe as as everyone else seems to be. Um, you know, the Titanic, it was, it, was, it was expensive. I think modern day, it's like roughly like $80,000 for uh, this voyage from uh England to the United States for these first class tickets. And then you go aboard the ship and it's all of the same uh, kind of things that you saw. And I really like kind of in this, in this first section here, it's, it's just establishing the grandioseness and uh, the beauty of the ship, you know, the big staircase with this, you know, wooden laid uh, clock that's there, the staterooms and all this, you know, elaborate wood paneling, uh, you know, they're, they're sweet. Uh, Cal and Rose's suite on this, on this thing is like, I don't know, bigger than my house. Like it's absolutely insane they have sitting rooms and uh tea rooms and bedrooms and changing rooms and and all sorts of rooms on this thing but it's kind of moving around the ship and it really kind of establishes uh the ship itself titanic as a character in this so we have rose we have her family uh we have the ship of titanic but then you know what is a good love story without a good love interest we need to meet jack and we meet Jack. Uh, he is uh, not originally supposed to be on the Titanic at all. We see him a couple streets away. He's playing poker uh, with, uh, I think, some German folk. I think that maybe they're Norwegian. I'm not sure. They don't speak English, but they're very angry because they uh, they're they're two of them, and they're really mad that one of them decided to go ahead and. Um, bet their titanic uh ship tickets home i guess they were they were going to go back uh, and work back in america but uh jack dawson and his uh his bestie fabrizio they uh win these tickets and it's a great story because they win it as the ship is taking off so then there's this really fun high high speed chase where they're running through all of the people trying to get all the luggage and all of the caretakers and then uh apparently uh newsflash there was a whole like inspection process if you weren't in first class uh they thought you were disgusting and they needed to check you for like lice and scurvy and i don't know I, I, I don't know. They they yep. had to do a lot of things. And so they're <laughs> running through trying to get get on this boat as it is literally like shipping. It's the they've got the ship whistle saying we're leaving. And then they get to the front and um they're like, Hey, have you gone through this process? And they're like, Yeah, dude, it's cool. We're American, it's fine. <laughs> and they just let them on. Uh no, no change there. We we think we can do all the things. Yeah, I really yeah. like um I really like uh them, you know, running into the ship because you're seeing kind of some of the the inner workings of how this works, right? Because you have Rose showing up with, you know, 15, you know, giant steamer trunks full of clothes that she needs to wear over the next, you know, seven days or however long they're going to be to be at sea. So you see them like loading the trunks up. You see there's like a crane there like swinging a car over into the onto the Titanic into the into the cargo hold there. It's it's really a, a sight to be seen. But yeah, luckily we get on on board uh, in time to set sail. And then, like I mentioned, we're getting kind of this establishing shots of just how beautiful and how grand the Titanic is. There is a gorgeous shot that is uh, part CG and part model um, and uh, part like magic painting where there's like a flyby over the entire deck of the titanic and then it kind of pulls back and you see the whole scope of this thing out on the ocean it's absolutely breathtaking and uh mind-boggling uh to even think of uh doing something on that scale which was why it was the most expensive film uh, ever made at the time that it was made but uh it looks gorgeous but you know everything on board isn't as gorgeous uh, i mentioned rose uh she doesn't seem to be quite as infatuated with this lifestyle she doesn't seem to be quite as infatuated with cal uh and 
I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not going to go good. Maybe she doesn't want to go to America and marry this guy. Because who would? Yeah, I mean, but... who would? And uh, Cal, Cal's played by a really, really great Billy Zane. Billy Zane never really plays a nice guy, but he does it so well. Yeah, you, you know, um, he and his like weird unibrow thing going on. Um, you know, he definitely um, exudes this like rich, powerful uh, jerkiness. Um, he truly believes that if you don't have money, you're worth less than he is. Um, and so he is giving Rose all sorts of uh, critiques about the art that she likes. Um, there's a scene where he, you know, he he's it's very clear he does not understand uh, what motivates her or what what she likes and who she is as a person. And he just wants to throw his money around. And he's like, ah, I give you all these things and you're actually quite spoiled. And um, and her mom kind of agrees with Cal, which is never a good thing. So it's a really toxic situation that Rose has found herself in. And, you know, I do like, um, you know, this movie gets a lot of flack for being so long. There's a couple of reasons why I think it had to be this long to tell some of the stories in the way that it did. And one of the things that I liked is this one scene. It's very short, but uh, Cal is, you know, showing Rose this diamond uh, that he has and it's his. And he's like, I, I, I'm going to take it and I want you to wear this on our engagement party when we get to New York and um, with all of the highest in society. And he's like, I just don't understand. Like I, I, I can give you anything and I would never deny you anything, you know, just open your heart to me. And so at first you're like, well, he's kind of a jerk, but maybe he, his, his motives are, are, are good maybe. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And she won't even look at the diamond, right? Like she just won't, she looks at him because she doesn't care about that. She's like, it's really heavy. <laughs> you know, this, this, you, you, you want me to wear this and it's like worth more than anything. Like it's billions of dollars. And I, I, it's just a trinket to her. And so she, they just don't understand each other, which is interesting because when she does meet Jack, um, they end up forming a bond almost immediately, uh, mm -hmm. even though they are they are literally from different worlds and different, you know, castes and different parts of the world and different um, socioeconomic statuses. But they have a connection that uh, Cal and and Rose would never have, even though they kind of uh, are cut from the same cloth, as it were. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's um, kind of a credit to the writing of the character Cal, because uh, by all accounts, Cal is <laughs> is awful. Um, but you do still kind of feel bad for him because he does seem to genuinely care about Rose and her safety um, as we make <laughs> make our way through this, you know, whether it's whether it's misguided or not. But he does really seem to be, uh, you know, like I said, very, you know, very kind of committed to Rose. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's just kind of a testament to, to the writing for him, but I get this really kind of neat scene. Is there a dinner then on, I don't know, one of the, the first couple of nights there, uh, Cal is ordering, uh, for Rose and, uh, you know, Kathy Bates, who's playing, uh, Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown. Uh, she's like, uh, says something along the lines of, are you going to cut her steak for her to Cal? And, uh, you know, kind of, at, kind of at this point, you really see kind of the, kind of the disconnect coming to a head. So after this dinner, Rose is going to make her way, uh, up to the top deck of the ship 
ship. She is going to make her way to the edge railing, uh, taking a look over the side, and uh, maybe she decides that plunging into the icy Atlantic is a better option than spending the rest of her life with Cal. But, but luckily, uh, some sort of guardian angel uh, character by the name of Jack Dawson, uh, a.k.a. Leonardo DiCaprio, stumbles upon her and is able to, uh, you know, convince her that, you know, if she jumps into the water, he's going to have to jump into the water and he doesn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, because he knows that it's going to be real cold. Uh, for any of you that don't know, um, because I didn't know until I actually went to a Titanic exhibit a million years ago. Um, so uh, the ocean has ice and uh, water and uh, salt in it. And salt lowers um, the uh, freezing point. And what that actually means is water that is actually, that would be frozen if it was in your freezer at home, uh, will actually still be water in the ocean because of the salt content. So mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. water uh, that they all are around, that's all around them in the North Sea is incredibly cold. It's actually like 10 degrees colder than frozen ice. Um, and that's really important because as we go through this, we all know the Titanic does sink. And um, a lot of people didn't end up dying be, you know, because they drowned. They froze to death in the water. And so he's trying to explain, hey, this is not this like romantic, like I just, you know, I'm just going to fall into the ocean and, and you know, disappear somehow like it's going to mm -hmm. be really yeah. cold it's going to be really uncomfortable and if you jump i jump rose i'm invested now and so she kind of listens to reason um although she also kind of insults him <laughs> she's like I'm, I'm not asking like you're you're asking all these questions leave me alone i'm trying to commit suicide in peace leave me do, let me do this but he grabs her um she decides to go ahead and step over and and come to the safe side of the rail but she slips and falls and that's a problem because now she's screaming everybody misunderstands um, because he took the time to like take his boots off. Um, so of course, you know, they think that he's, uh, got some nefarious kind of plan and mm -hmm. she doesn't really want to say anything to anybody because she would have to answer for wanting to jump off the side of the Titanic. Um, and that would be bad because she's supposed to want the life that she has. Um, but that is really how they kind of solidify this tentative relationship and friendship between the two of them because even Cal has to admit that her life was saved and he has to do something other than give him 20 bucks um, to thank him. And so he kind of lets Jack spend some time in the company of all of this fine grandness as if that will uh, uh, assuage him somehow. That's right. Yeah, they invite them to uh, the very fancy dinner uh, there. He's going to be, I guess, the the guest of Molly Brown, uh, which is which is pretty great. Um, what uh, I do like about this film, um, you know, the the characters of Rose and Jack and uh, Cal, those are our fictionalized character, but uh, kind of the people that they're they're intermingling with uh, on the ship. Um, you know, Molly Brown, uh, Captain Smith, uh, you know, Thomas Andrews, the first officers and all those, those are actual people that were on the Titanic. So they're kind of interacting with them. Now their stories aren't beat for beat from, you know, what we know, I guess, historically, uh, I guess through, you know, people just, just talking and recollections and uh, recountings of the story. But it seems like James Cameron did a lot of, put a lot of work and effort into giving their stories, um, you know, kind of, kind of, similar feels and parallels to the way their actual stories went and kind of paying homage to the, to the things that happened. So I really like, right. Like that aspect, but yeah, you get Jack here at this fancy dinner and, you know, he is uh, making a lot of pretty grand statements. You know, he's, he's almost like a, 
like a sideshow to these people, right? Who are wealthy beyond all all means. You know, they're asking him, you know, what's it like to be kind of this drifter? And uh, he's saying that, you know, that's okay. He doesn't know uh, what tomorrow is going to bring. And Rose really seems to be uh, kind of smitten with this idea of, you know, not being tied down, not being limited by uh, your status in life and just going about and having a fun time. So when she gets the invite to go down to a party uh, in the third class uh, section, she is going to take it. And you see kind of this love and this... Uh, this romance really start to blossom uh, between the two as uh, a love in, in the sense of this uh, uh, sort of <laughs> lustful affair bit that we get to later. But really, it's kind of this friendship. They're able to, uh, you know, kind of chew on the ear of one another. And uh, Rose is able to finally confide in someone that you probably don't get if you're living in uh, that kind of high society anyways. Absolutely. I think it's really telling when she tries to talk to her mother um, about her troubles um, because her mother is seeing that she's developing these feelings. It's pretty obvious to everybody around that they are developing, developing this relationship friendship. And it's, um, it's, it's really worrying to her mom because her mom has ulterior motives. Her mom, you know, as she's kind of corseting her up is like, you can't see him again. And you don't understand, like he is our ticket. We don't have any money. All we have is a good name. You have to marry Cal or else I'm going to end up being a seamstress. You're not going to have anything. And on the, you know, on the flip side, you have uh, Jack who is telling her, oh, she can learn how to ride a horse like a man, like one leg on either side. She can learn how to fly planes. There's like, she can do anything if she wants to. And not only that, but they're already talking about doing these things together very, very quickly. And it's not, what, what makes this such a great love story is, um, not this kind of lustful thing that happens, although it, it does turn that way. It's quite innocent and beautiful the way that it unfolds, because at the end of the day, he Jack is more of a friend to Rose because he knows that she's in a really tough spot and she and he knows that she could do more and be more. And she has a light around her that he wants to see shine, whether it's with him or not. And mm -hmm. You know, there's no possessiveness there when they're kind of having an argument because she is trying to figure this out in her head. And it's very it's very hard because she doesn't want to let her family down. And she she knows that Cal is the right choice on paper, even though he's awful. You know, Jack is saying, OK, it, this you know, it's not necessarily about me and you. You you have to decide for your life what you want to do and who you want to be. And there are things about you that are brilliant and you shouldn't let that be tainted by this, this relationship that you don't want to be in, in the first place. And so mm -hmm. I, as a, as a 17 year old girl hearing this, I thought it was really, really special because, um, you know, in this day and age of, of the Titanic time, you know, the mom says it best, you know, we're women and we have to make the difficult choices. We very rarely get what we actually want. And it was very yeah. nice uh, to see that that part being, you know, in 1997, that that being said that that's OK and, and celebrated even. Yeah, for sure. And you get kind of that sentiment from from Jack uh, throughout through the the story there when, you know, he's talking, you know, I, I could save you from, you know, not letting you jump off of the ship. But, you know, to to change your life trajectory, I can't. I can't do that for you, Rose. That's something that you're going to have to 
decide to do for yourself and you know jack kind of lays it to bear uh tells her how how she feels and uh you know she doesn't reciprocate like you said she has all this pressure to go off and be with cal uh, but eventually she uh, sort of sort of relents to the fact that uh jack has really stolen her heart and she go, goes back to uh to be with him and they have one sort of uh kind of final tryst and she is going to literally lay it all to bear as she asks jack who is uh by all uh signs an excellent artist who'd been over in paris doing some drawings she seems in infatuated uh with that and um it's really more um symbolic i think of her um you know laying to you know to be drawn by jack wearing that diamond as she's really kind of exposing uh herself her her heart her uh being vulnerable uh to him and you know ways that she never would be able to uh with cal as you know he draws that picture and they go off to have their uh, romantic interlude here on the uh last night of this uh, fateful voyage yeah. So it's so funny, uh, interesting to me, because this this part of the film um, is very, very erotic. And um, but it's... this was apparently the first scene that they shot together on a side note, which is crazy to me. That is pretty crazy, actually, um, because it's not I mean, obviously, it's a picture of a, of a new of of you know, Kate Winslet is in the nude, right? Um, from, you know, the top up. So you see her. Um, so it's not for children, I will say. But as far as like love scenes go, this this was so perfectly filmed because you see Jack, you see his eyes as he's like looking at her and trying to like um, create the painting you see or the drawing. You see somebody actually drawing it. Now, it's an urban legend. I don't know if this is true. I heard it was James Cameron that actually made the sketch. Um, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it's absolutely beautiful the way in which uh, the score kind of reacts with the different scenes and the way this was edited. It's really exciting, especially for young people. <laughs> you know, it's just it, you, it's it's more exciting than the actual act of like sex itself i think i think that this this was their uh their love scene it, it, mm -hmm. it you know they end up consummating their relationship later in a town car and that's that's okay too but this this, this is this this was the real deal and it's so again it's very i don't want to say innocent but it's just so wondrous because they just mm -hmm. have this way of kind of looking at each other and and i love it when it closes the shot that closes in on on Rose's eye that's very blue and crisp, and then it kind of changes into the old Rose's eye, and it's still the same eye, which is really a beautiful thought because when you fall in love with me, you're young, you look, you know, I, I mean, I never looked like Rose Dawson, but but you know, you get older mm -hmm. and things right. change, and you're not the same, even though when you're young, it's easy to have this romantic love, and yet Rose is still feeling these emotions, and she's 101. It's really one of the reasons why people can can say that it, this film didn't do other things well, but it tells a great love story. It really yeah, does. and it. Yeah, and it flashes back there to uh, Old Rose, you know, as I said, is kind of narrating through this and she's, she's, you know, coming off of this and, and talking about that. And, you know, she makes the comment then, you know, that she never had told, you know, that story to, to anyone, not even uh, your grandfather, she tells, you know, her granddaughter that's standing there and, you know, all of kind of the, the crew of this, uh, you know, fishing expedition for titanic relics is is there you know fighting off tears you know brock lovett included as as she's going uh, through and telling you know kind of the story of this night and then um you know we get to to kind of the the disaster part of this film which lasts about the last 
last half of it the film's about three hours and 20 minutes and the uh titanic hitting the iceberg happens right about the midway uh part because right after uh like you said this little romantic tryst they leave the picture uh for cal to find um in the safe uh and they make their way off but uh bad news uh the titanic has struck an iceberg turns out that they made the the propellers and the rudders and all this stuff too small for a boat this size uh they couldn't find they didn't see the iceberg in time and it ends up uh hitting it and then uh like i said the second half of this film basically uh is jack and rose navigating uh this disaster of this uh ship going down right. um and and we can talk a little bit about you know kind of some of the specifics but the titanic sinking uh in this uh version of the titanic it has to be one of the cinematic marvels uh, uh ever ever captured on film it's unbelievable how it looks it it is absolutely epic um horribly so because you're watching something that was real it's not um it's interesting because we talk about war movies and how realistic it was and how awful it was but so important i kind of feel the same way about this um because i think that it really did a, a great job of paying homage to how awful this situation was um and again this film had to take a long time to explain certain things i absolutely love that you see how you know, from the beginning, you see how the pistons were working and you see how they used coal to like maintain the fires, how they communicated, um, because this was before, you know, telephones. I mean, it was, you know, mm. really it was it was, um, you know, they didn't have helicopters to like save people. They and they because they were so arrogant and thinking that this would never happen. Um, they didn't have enough of, they didn't have enough life jackets. They didn't have enough life boats. They didn't have a plan. Um, there were pe I mean, the reason why we talk about people, the band played while the Titanic sank is because it was true. Um, you know, like 1500 people out of 2200 died, um, a terrible, horrible death. And, uh, it sounds really morbid, but we get to watch it and have some reverence for the things that that this whole disaster uh, affected and changed for the entire world and and maybe implement that and Im imprint that on yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you were in third class, you basically were dead before you even stepped on that boat. Um, mm -hmm. And and it was really because you uh, didn't make enough money to per to per to purchase your life, which is a horrible reality of what ended up happening i love that they that you know james cameron didn't just tell this love story but the way in which like you you said earlier he interwove real people um when uh i can't you had his name and i don't the the, the man from ireland ireland um when the, uh, Tom, the designer thomas andrews mm -hmm. yes when thomas andrews uh brings out this giant um blueprint of the ship and he's like all right here's what we know and it's maybe been 10 minutes and he's like he the you know the bulkheads are gonna fill and we can do four we could have withstood four but not five and one of the guys like no she can't sink it's uns it's unsinkable and he says my favorite line he says she this titanic's made of iron i guarantee you she will sink she in in two hours she will founder it's a mathematical certainty like, mm -hmm. he's yeah. like and that's why he he's like we got to get as many people off the boat as possible we've got to figure this out while still keeping people calm and just the way in which james cameron shows that on a human level as well mm -hmm. as this really sweeping epic like with cgi and with models and with like giant uh 
formations and just the way in which they show all of the things that you've just described, these propellers and all of that, it's absolutely breathtaking to watch. And it's definitely withstood the test of time. You know, some films you can see, oh, they totally made that, made that work or cheated that angle or whatever. This is still perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have kind of this uh, the sweeping scope of you know something like uh, Jack and Rose standing at the at the bow of the ship, you know, saying I'm the I'm the king of the world, or you know I'm uh, flying, and you know having kind of that that intimate moment on this big expanse of of the Titanic to then yeah all these little intimate moments as Jack and Rose are um, you know trying to navigate. Uh, you know, this, this ship sinking, um, and it, it goes through and it tells kind of all of these personal stories, you know, you see Thomas Andrews, uh, standing there kind of in the, in the dining room, just looking at this clock and, you know, adjusting the time. Um, and you don't know if it's, he's just doing it, um, <laughs> just because to take his mind off of it or if he's doing it for posterity's sake because he wants that clock to be right in a hundred years when uh they find this clock to see what time it was that the dining room uh flooded and uh you know you see uh couples laying in bed you know uh giving giving their lives up to be together you have the kind of the treatment of the the third class passengers um and the way that they're uh trying to trying to handle um this this event you know this terrible event that's going on and you know kind of kind of weaving its way through it is this last last throes of this love story between uh jack and rose and if they're going to be able to survive to get off and uh they think that there might be a lifeline for rose uh you know uh they run into cal and cal has uh you know kind of negotiated a ticket off of uh the ship onto one of the lifeboats uh for himself so you know he tells rose uh you get on this lifeboat they're getting the women and children on there you take this one uh jack and i will go get the other one because um like i said at the top cal's really interesting character to me because he is awful by all accounts but even here um at the very end he has the chance to get on a lifeboat a time or two uh but ends up not doing that uh to make sure that rose gets on one first you know kind of until all chances are spent so yeah no i i love that because he and of course he thinks his money can get him him a spot right cal is uh gives one of the guys like a handful of cash and uh and the guy looks at him a few minutes later, like, are you going to get on this boat? And he's like, oh, man, I got to go find her. And so you don't know, like, I, 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 he's he's probably one of the best villains uh, in, you know, this sort of genre as far as like jilted lovers, um, mm-hmm. you know, because he has to win and he will he does not care about Jack at all. But he will absolutely make sure he really wants to make sure that Rose is okay. And even at the end, spoiler alert, when she she li- she lives because she lives to be 101 to tell the story, um, he still looks for her and tries to find her um, on hopes that maybe she made it off the ship. And I find that part really um, special because it could have been we could have just made Cal like the, just a horrible person through and through without any of these mm-hmm. kind of uh, glimmers of, of, of goodness. Um, and I really like that because I think it's much more realistic to have someone that is evil and yet not evil, uh, you know, maybe not equal parts, but, you know, I really right. did like that part. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
yeah, we've got the got the ship going down. You know, we've we've mentioned kind of the the horrificness of it, but also the breathtakingness of it. The kind of the visual imagery that always stands out to me is just as the ship is slowly sinking, and you're seeing kind of that diagonal lines of the portholes uh, lit up, just slowly, uh, you know, starting to submerge over the over the course of this, and then ultimately, yeah, the uh, Titanic goes down. Uh, one of the one of the crew members of the uh, the voyage that we meet at the front is explaining to old Rose how the ship went down, and then we're going to see it uh, play out pretty much exactly uh, beat for beat how how uh, he's imagined it to be on his little uh, computer uh, yeah. image there, and it's it's really uh, it's really atrocious and uh, really kind of hard to watch um, at times. But uh, boat goes into the water, everyone else goes into the water, uh, and it is uh, pure pandemonium. But luckily, I guess uh, Rose and Jack are able to find each other in all of this chaos and uh, find a door for Rose to get up on. Now, a lot of people will say that there was room for Jack up on that door. Um, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I will say uh, that they even kind of try to address this because when they find it, they both try to get up onto it and it tips over uh, so when they're both trying to get up onto it. So right. uh, was was there room for, for Jack to be on there? Probably. But that's not the point. That's not the point of Jack putting Rose up on that door uh, because he was going to stay in that water and make sure that she stayed safe and warm and gave her every last second of possibility uh, because... You know, it, whatever whatever you think about the about the door, that this is this is a story of their love in the middle of this catastrophe. Yeah, and he is routinely putting her needs above whatever he ultimately wants, um, which is which is what they all say is true love, right? Is loving something truly more than than yourself, and and doing that in action. So, um, I have a theory about the whole door thing um, that I'd like to just uh, address here. Here, um, so yeah, they both could have fit, but it would have pushed, um, and they they would have fit, but it would have pushed the the wood um, mm -hmm. down a few inches, and they would have. Um, not drowned, which is great, um, but they still would have both probably died of hypothermia because you were exposed to the water. And the reason why, um, I believe the reason why he did all these things and made sure that she stayed on it was because he knew that he was as good as dead. Um, anyway, um, I think that they, you know, he was just, he, you know, he could see um, in these scenes with, Cal, you know, Cal was very clear, I'm going to win. So even if they got off, they would probably, um, he would have probably had to deal with this court marshalling because that would have never uh, stopped Cal. He would have had to, um, you know, aside from all of that, if he'd managed to get off the boat and not be crushed to death like Fabrizio or shot like some of the other third class passengers, like it, he probably wasn't getting out of there alive for multitude mm -hmm. of reasons. Um, so that's what I, I, that's what I was thinking is that you know, as they're trying to get on the boat, he's just trying to keep her as safe as possible. And of course, you have the kind of the final scene where he's telling her she's getting very cold and, you know, they're waiting for some boats to come back. Um, and he's telling her all the things she's actually going to do. And it's he knows that he's going to die because he has he's keeps saying you're going to do these things, you're going to do these things and you're you're not ever going to give up. Um, and it's really beautiful and it's horribly i i mean they're they look awful they've got you know ice in their hair because it's so <laughs> cold yeah, right. and but it's definitely one of the most inspiring stories uh you know that that to watch unfold because even at that he's not he's not scared he's like you're gonna do all of these really cool things and i'm so glad and even though he's like 
you know, freezing to death, literally in front of her. He's like, this is the best, the best thing that could have possibly happened. And he doesn't regret any of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, it is. Um, and then it's uh, it's especially heartbreaking then because um, we've just watched this tragedy unfold for the last 90 minutes or so. And then, uh, you know, old uh, Rose there is uh, narrating, you know, uh, back that uh, only one boat came back and uh, only, you know, saved I don't know, it was like six people or something out of all the people that went into the went into the water, which is uh, just absolutely a gut punch of a thing. Um, but we have gotten to learn uh, the love story of Rose and Jack by this telling. And uh, she is going to uh, finally uh, take that uh, that prize that Brock Lovett had been searching for uh, the entire time that uh, that diamond necklace, uh, which had made its way into a coat pocket that Cal had given her uh, there. Um, maybe maybe that coat was what kept her alive. I don't know for sure, but uh, she's going to sacrifice that diamond to the depths of the sea um, as a gift to her uh, late Jack, who got lost to the ocean there. And then, yeah, when they uh, get to uh, into New York there as the, the survivors and they're giving their names, she uh, gives the name of Rose Dawson, which is why she wasn't uh, listed on any of the uh, dockets there uh, that Brock Lovett was uh, looking up. And she gives she gives the ocean, and then there's this really sweeping scene where they it shows all of her pictures. Mm, That's like mm, the best. Mm. Oh, it's it's my favorite part. It shows all the pictures of her as a young actress, and it shows her on a horse. I'm gonna get emotional just talking about it. It <laughs> shows her learning to fly a plane. It shows her doing all of these things that Jack told her she could do, and. You know, that's why I think that's one of the reasons why she kept the heart, because it was symbolism that he was right with her all the time. And she knew that she was at the end of her life. And um, so she wanted to give that back to him. And um, and then I feel that she she actually ends up uh, passing at the end because of the way the the sweeping motion of of. Uh, going from the pictures to her face and then going kind of out to the window. And then, you know, it looks, I love this montage where it you're going down underneath the water again, and you're going to the old Titanic. That's this, you know, vessel at the bottom of the ship. And then it's, mm-hmm. it, it becomes brand new again. And all of the people who died, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. all of the first class folks or the third class folks are there greeting her and all of the people from below at that party. And the little girl is there who like dances with them. It's so great. And then Jack is at the clock, the top, top which is such stairs, a, yeah. it's such a great scene. And she's wearing like a white wedding dress. It's the most amazing thing. And that's, how, that's how it ends. <laughs> that's the best part. It's that's- so good. That's right. Yeah, as everyone is there uh, watching on uh, to see them, all the the passengers of the ship, and they all kind of uh, applaud as they embrace their uh, one final time. Kind of, uh, yeah, as you mentioned in the in the memory of uh, Old Rose, as you know, uh, uh, a beautiful uh, send off to this uh, lifelong love that she'd uh, only been able to uh, recount there um, at the end. And then, of course, you have that uh, that sweeping score from James Horner, that uh, sort of uh, love so theme uh, from Titanic, which, of course, turns into the Celine uh, Dion uh, song, which uh, won all the awards, the Grammy Awards and the Oscars and the, uh, you know, uh, won, won all the things for that. So, um, Michaela, that is uh, Titanic. Um, in a nutshell, it is uh well, it is it is a most beautiful of love stories that is uh well deserving of all of the awards that it made and uh, you alluded to it at the top it's uh it's very famous Titanic for being nominated for uh, 14 Academy Awards for winning 11 Academy Awards but it's almost as famous 
for the award nomination it didn't get for Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, totally, totally spurned right there. That was that was the shock. It wasn't a shock that it got nominated for 14. It was the shock that it didn't get nominated for Leonardo DiCaprio. That's right. Um, I'm a huge Leo fan. I've been a Leo fan uh, for, you know, since since right before this film. Um, but I, I think that that is uh, was such a such a tragedy. I mean, uh, he's so he's so great. And they're all I mean, all of them are great. I thought Bill Paxson did a really amazing job because he he's probably the character that changed the most because he um, and you want to believe that like James Cameron had this moment with him that was like, look, this is really not about the heart. Like it's, you know, and he figures it out like within himself. Though, yeah, it like it's a it's it's almost like a like a self-affirming paradigm shift that we got to film. It's, it's really cool because, you know, this Brock Lovett guy was all about the diamond. He never really let it in and he never realized that there were people that this thing happened to. And it shaped hundreds of thousands of lives over the course of the next century. I mean, in mm -hmm. ways that we don't even think about uh, now it, this, this, event affected us there's a reason why now they have certain things on boats i mean it's i mean and that's maybe a trivial way to think about it but this i feel like was just a masterpiece and um to to a lot of that was due to the fact that every single person i think uh develops a, a little or big crush on leonardo dicaprio because he's just his jack dawson is just perfect mm -hmm. yeah and um you know, Kate Winslet nominated for Best Actress, but, um, you know, really it's her interactions with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, really, that, that sells the story. So, uh, yeah. So, like I said, that that might have been, you know, one of the one of the bigger snubs and Oscars. And like I said, it was certainly a surprise when he when he, you know, wasn't even uh, nominated whether, you know, to to win or not. So uh, that is the Titanic. It's uh, it's a really terrific tale. Uh, 25 years on. It's back in the theaters now. You can go watch it. I think it might be in like 3D IMAX, which would probably just be a uh, spectacle uh, to be seen. But Michaela, the year was uh, 1997 or 1998, probably, you know, it was right around Christmas when this uh, came out. Did, uh, did young Michaela venture out to the movie theater to see this uh, upon upon first watch? Did you wait and get that uh, VHS set that you had to stop halfway in the middle of and change tapes? Or uh, tell me about your history uh, with the uh, Titanic. Yeah, so it did come out. I do remember it came out at wintertime. Um, I was single. There's a shocker. I was. <laughs> and so it was, I think it was around Valentine's day that I would have gone uh, with friends um, to see this. I think I did see it in the theater the first time I've only watched it a couple times because my heart can't take it. Um, I mean, I, I really think I've maybe watched this film four times Um uh, and, and, but I did have the, I did have, uh, the, this problem where if I saw a movie and I loved it, I had to buy it, even though I never watched it again. So, I mean, I have the dual VHS tape to this day. Um, I, you know, <laughs> that is not what I watched it on this time, but I, I did have that. It's so it's one, it really is a testament to how great it is because it has haunted me. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I will never look at a fogged up window of a town car the same way again. And if you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's just, 
Yeah, no, but I did see it and I felt like my heart broke into a million pieces and it was shattered and I would never be, never be the same. Um, and I'd never think about love the same way. And I mean, I watched it yesterday. Wow. Look at me. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> See, that's, that's okay. Yeah. It, uh... <laughs> I watched it yesterday and it's still, I was still like, oh, I'm just never going to be the same. And I'm never going to think of love the same way. It's so, it's so great. It is, yeah, it is very great. Yeah, I um, I remember this came out. I actually did see this at the theater. Um, I do remember uh, way back, way back in high school, high school. Brian uh, went and saw this at the theater, and then a bunch of times on VHS. I've seen this film uh, well more than four times. Uh, it's it's one of my. I don't, I don't know. I I really like this film, and um, it's for all the things that we talked about. It's this beautiful sort of love story. It is this beautiful uh, kind of packaged retelling of someone, you know, basically giving the the memoir of this, you know, kind of forgotten uh, moment and in, in their life, well, not forgotten to them, but you know, a a secret moment in their life to to everyone else by all accounts. And then you know, it's also just this um this visual heart wrenching. Uh, masterpiece of of this disaster that's unfolding uh, before your eyes that looks as realistic as it as it had to have looked uh, that day of the voyage and then uh, this movie went on to to do all sorts of things as I mentioned it was the most expensive uh, movie ever made uh, James Cameron actually uh, basically had to give his paycheck <laughs> back for uh, doing it because uh, they were so far over budget and uh, he uh, took some responsibility uh, for that and went without pay but he wanted to to get this made and then you know ultimately he got the the accolades uh, for doing that, you know, um, a lot of people thought that that was kind of overdue. We mentioned it for Leo, but uh, people felt kind of the the same way for, um, you know, James Cameron, you know, bringing us uh, Terminator 2 and uh, aliens and things like that, never getting uh, the appropriate credit. So uh, I finally got it there. And then ultimately you spend uh, $200 million to make a movie is about a million dollars a minute to recreate the ocean and this giant uh, ocean liner, uh, hopefully make your money back. And it did because it became the top grossing uh, film of all time. It was the number one film in the United States, at least for like, uh, I don't know, like, a, a a long time like 15 straight weeks or something like that it was the number one number one film like it just it got uh it, it released and and did okay and then it just just like the titanic it got the engines uh up and churning and it just it just kept going and going and going you couldn't go anywhere without hearing celine dion telling you that her heart was going to go on uh <laughs> it, it's one of the uh top grossing uh film uh scores albums of all time um i don't know there a lot of people uh, give give this movie a lot of slack, and I don't really understand it other than uh, just trying to to find something because they all seem to land on the same thing, and it's it's the door at the end. But there's there's so much to this film that's that's beautiful that if you get hung up on that, uh, I don't know, you're you're grumpy. You need to get the grumpies out of your heart. I think. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, there's so much more to it than that. Um, another, another thing I get a lot of people are like, why did she, why didn't she give the heart of the ocean, uh, to, uh, Brock love it. Um, and, and my idea behind that is it wasn't his number one. That's why she didn't give it to him. Cause it wasn't his, uh, and, and, uh, number two, um, you know, he probably at this point would have been so changed. He would not have, have sold it for the millions because it was meaningless at that point, because what it symbolized to her was so much more significant. Um, so I think you're right. Um, one of the best, one of the best love stories ever beautifully told. Um, one of the most epic kind of sweeping films ever beautifully told it, it, it really, yeah, 
did all the things. I'm glad you watched. You were one of the few that watched it. That could watch it more than four times, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. I have I have a a lot of room for love in my heart. Yeah. So, uh, uh yeah, definitely watched this. Watched this a bunch of times and uh, loved it in 1997. Loved it uh, just this week when I when I watched it again. So uh, it was quite the treat to go back to and uh, stands up as good as it did uh, back then. Still looks incredible. So, uh, yeah, that is our uh, our thoughts on Titanic and a really great cocktail about it so let us know what you think about titanic and let us know if you mix yourself up one of these fancy punch romains to pair with it uh, you can do that on our um, social medias instagram twitter hive it's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies uh, if you want to see pictures of ours episode recaps um, the oscar stuff is going to be on uh, the website which is www.drinkthemovies.com and if you want to go a little bit deeper in some oscar coverage and bonus episodes you can do that on our patreon it's patreon.com slash drink the movies we've got bonus content content going on over the where there it's a great way to support the podcast um if you feel so so inclined but keep your eyes open for our regular episodes we got the lobby bars coming and next week on our regular episode we're going to be covering an oscar hopeful uh for this year empire of light this was a movie that really had piqued our interest uh when it was uh first announced when we saw the trailer for it so definitely excited to uh get a cocktail made and talk about that one uh next week but michaela you know if you're if you're out celebrating the titanic if you've celebrated uh valentine's day if you if your heart was overflowing with love just like jack dawson's was in titanic uh you need somewhere for that love to go so it might as well go uh to given you know your favorite podcast a five-star rating where can they do that well, you can find us uh, on the open ocean. No, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, all the places where uh, Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Um, it is the time of loving other people, and we love y'all. There's a lot of love of cocktails. There's a lot of love of films. Um, and so we're really excited about uh, the community that that that, that y'all have been building yourselves. We're just here for it. Um but yeah, you can find us. You can you can uh, subscribe. We do two drops a week, and uh, yeah, that would be that would be really amazing. We're we're very grateful to be able to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Titanic, Michaela. I think you know to to decompress after after so much love and tragedy, uh, we're gonna have to mix up another punch romaine. So let's go do that, and we'll talk to everyone next time on drink drink the, the movies. movies. Never let go, Jack. Never let go.